0: Hello, and welcome to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. It's the podcast where I sit down with an extraordinary person and share their story. They might have overcome something amazing, or they might still be on their journey, with stories that will make you laugh, cry, and hopefully feel a little bit inspired. So today, this is a man who believes your ambition is limited only by your attitude. And he has definitely proved this to be true over the years. Nick Hamilton was born with cerebral palsy, which affects the movement of his leg muscles, but not one to let this stop him from doing exactly what he wanted. Nick went from being told he'd always be reliant on a wheelchair to not only walking unaided, but realising his dream of becoming a racing car driver. And it's not an easy dream to realise. After earning a seat in the Renault Clio Cup, the entry-level touring car competition, Nick became the first disabled driver to compete in the British Touring Car Championship. But after financial difficulties of sponsorship arose in the money-heavy world of driving, Nick was forced to stop in his tracks for a season out of the game. But sure enough, Nick was back to it in 2018 to continue living his dream and sharing with many his view that no challenge is too big for you to conquer. What an absolute pleasure to virtually have you here with me today. Hello, Nick. Uh, Hi,
1: Katie. How are you?
0: I'm good. How did you feel hearing that intro?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I, I love the fact um, people are, are are noticing what I do. And uh, yeah, having uh, someone like yourself uh, introducing me, uh, I feel very honoured.
0: Ah, well, thank you. It's, I'm really excited to have you here. I, I wanted to kind of start at the beginning with you because your story definitely represents strength to me. Um, and I wondered what your sort of childhood was like, what your memories were of growing up were like, and whether you look back on that part of your life fondly or not?
1: Yeah. Um, so to answer that really instantly is if I didn't have my condition, I wouldn't be who I am today. So, so definitely look back on it fondly. Um, but obviously it was a hard task. So a little bit about my life and story is, um, yeah, I was born two months premature, diagnosed with spastic diaplegia, um, which is a former cerebral palsy <clears throat> and um i was I wasn't breathing when I initially was born um I was whisked away to an incubator I was in an incubator for for six weeks um you know my my parents couldn't hold me my mum couldn't hold me they were just looking at me through a, a a plastic screen um and then they they took me home and I wasn't really progressing like a usual toddler um you know I seemed to I couldn't crawl and when I did try and crawl, I couldn't alternate my legs I was dragging my legs behind me sort of thing. Um, so then, you know, they, they thought, oh, this is a bit odd, you know, something's not right. So they they took me back to the hospital, and that was when I was diagnosed with my condition. Now, the thing with, with cerebral palsy it affects so many different people in so many different ways. So I explained it like an umbrella of loads of different conditions. Um, you know, you've got hemiplegia down one side, and then you've got diaplegia, which is both legs. So, you know, my, my parents didn't really, they had my brother Lewis, who's eight years older than me, and he's fully able bodied. So, when they had a child with CP or disability, um, I think firstly, they blamed themselves. Secondly, they didn't really know how to bring up a child with CP. It's not like you can go and, and read a book on, mm. on how to bring up a child. It's like a, um, <laughs> it's, it's just a trial and error situation. Um, and you know, it was caused from lack, lack of oxygen to the brain with the premature uh, birth. And I think they just made a collective decision to, to make my life as tough as possible. <laughs> yeah and and not wrap me up in cotton wool and and just basically be a nightmare my 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 dad is is you know super difficult in terms of uh, his mentality he's I explain like a chocolate fondant um hard on the outside really soft and gooey in the middle Mm -hmm. and and you know they 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 don't take no for an answer and um you know I was just I was just brought up around able-bodied people I was never allowed to go to a a disabled school or a specialist school I had to to learn life the able-bodied way so that changed my mentality to well if my parents don't see the condition as an issue then I won't see it as an issue and uh, I had to just go through life to, That's try and interesting. to get on with it as possible.
0: I wondered when did you see it because it's re- like I've got kids and, and kids aren't aware of certain things sometimes until you bring it to their attention like kids aren't of any kind of prejudice at all like when did you realize that there was something different
1: you know I was just always trying to walk and trying to fit in but just falling over and I didn't have the the strength to catch myself so I always used to hit my head and Mm. and everything and um yeah and I and and then, as as time went on, I, I had an operation when I was four years old, which was sort of life changing, and it it was a uh, tendon release uh, operation, which um, cut the back of my hamstrings, the back of my ankles, and my groin muscle, which then allowed me to have sort of almost release the spasticity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to stand up a little bit straighter, and I was able to put my 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 feet, my full soles of my feet, on the floor, which gave me more balance. So I went through that, and then and then. I remember, you know, sometimes just crying myself to sleep being like, you know, why, why me, you know, what what have I done so wrong to to have this, have this condition? Uh Um, so yeah, I really did notice, you know, that, that life was really difficult and knew that I was different and I really struggled to understand why and what my purpose was. And obviously now being a 29 year old man, um, you know, there's one in 500 births diagnosed in my condition. Um, you know, so as a, as a little kid, always around able-bodied people who seem like they have a simple life Mm. um you always look at them and think you know what's so great about them to to be uh with no issues and and what did I do so wrong Mm. so that's that's where I went to in terms of how I tried to start to deal with it
0: yeah because I suppose there's an advantage of what you said about that kind of tough love and actually you know being brought up around all different kinds of people but then there's also that comparison and You know, especially when you get to like secondary school, you know, children can be ignorant. They can be mean, especially just things like if a lot of your free time was spent at physio and other kind of medical appointments when people were out playing, um, you know, that that can be quite hard. I mean, did you like academically, did it affect your studies and stuff?
1: So when I went to school, yeah, I don't think it affected me at all in terms of my academic um, ability i just i I was just always different you know i was I was the only black person at my school, mm-hmm. and I was the only disabled person at my school mm-hmm. and um so it was almost like a double whammy effect um and you're you're right i I had to um do a lot of physiotherapy through my primary school years, and all my friends are outside playing tag or whatever at break time or lunchtime, and I'm inside with with this helper who's you know stretching me out. Mm-hmm. And, it's like painful homework that yeah. you never, never want to do, you know, and, and it already singles you out because mm-hmm. you just can't hang with anybody you want.
0: Yeah, it makes you e- extra different already, doesn't it? Um Completely. Like I know for myself, I I spent like all of my 20s doing like physiotherapy, occupational therapy, and all my friends were like getting mortgages, getting engaged, getting pregnant, and I was like learning to use a cup again and just like Yeah. And it, and it just yeah. really like separates you even mm. if you try to pretend to join in with the conversation that you're not really at that level of that conversation. It it can be quite hard. I just would love to know what you feel about like labels and limitations, because obviously there'll be some people listening to this that have a disability that's completely different to you. And, you know, for some people, it's not about being lazy and they haven't pushed themselves. You know, their condition has a glass ceiling and they can't go beyond that, even with the best willpower in the world. But I wanted to park that slightly and talk about when people put limitations on you so like say for example after I was burnt there were some medical people that said to my parents she will never live a normal life and she'll always be dependent on you and have to live with you and you'll have to sort of help her and and that like sort of angered me but sort of motivated me for that not to be my future and you know looking at your story you were told that you would never walk unaided and actually that wasn't true you know at 17 years old you did walk unaided um how hard was it? I mean, you talked about mastering it then, you know, do you think sometimes when someone tells you that, do you think some people then just like fit into that box and say, well, that's my future. that I'm not going to go beyond that. Or do you think actually it's the opposite and it pushes you to prove those people wrong?
1: Uh, it, it depends. It depends who you are now. You know, cerebral palsy affects so many people in so many different ways. And, and the way it affects me, I, I class myself as one of the lucky ones because it could be a lot worse. So it was up to me to maximize my opportunity, maximize the the, the condition that I have um, to try and make the best of it. And, um, you know, initially I was in a wheelchair and I was in there for five years and um, pretty much wheelchair bound and couldn't walk long distances. And, you know, people were looking down on me and bullying me at school and, you know, pushing me back in my wheelchair and just leaving me there hanging. And, and I, I just I just yeah just struggled um to to fit into to general um general life, and then um you know, I got to sixteen and started to grow into myself as a person, you know, I was starting to grow a little bit of a beard and <laughs> wanted to go hang out on my mates and I was starting to get into girls and I just wanted to almost try and live a bit of a normal life, but you know. Every time I went somewhere with my mum, you know, for example, is like we went to a, an airport to to fly away with Lewis and went to check in, and this this lady was just just looked straight past me, straight to my mum, you know, and said, "Does he need assistance? Can he walk stairs? Can he do this? Can he do that?" And never looked at me as a as a person. Um, so I I um, I knew at that point that the only way for me to um, to be seen. And to to be heard is is to to be on their level mm. and that means to 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 stand up and and i'm I'm short generally first my parents are um not very tall and then secondly um my legs are a little bit bent so so I, I lose at least two and a half inches <laughs> so I was super super short generally but um f- for me that you know that was my moment that was my time to be like, right okay, it doesn't matter how much pain and strain and struggle. Um, I'm gonna have to go through. Um, I'm gonna have to go through it to to have a better future for my life. And then it wasn't up to my parents at that point. It's it's literally up to me, my feeling. And um, and then as time's gone on, you know, I realized that when people tell me I can't do something, it it fuels my fire even more to mm. not necessarily prove it to them, but um, also prove it to myself as well. And you know, I I would say for sure, being in a wheelchair, I became I became very lazy. But you don't realize you're being lazy until you're a little bit older and realize, oh, you know, I, I didn't really do a lot with my condition there. I, I, I just almost just sat down and thought, yeah, I'm just disabled. You know, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, as as time goes on, you start to 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 grow into yourself, realize who you are, and and then realize that you don't need you don't need someone to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, you're strong enough in yourself to to give you that motivation, give you that strength. And, um, at the end of the day, like I, I, I have this, this little motto that I carry myself with, which I made up myself. And, and it was just like a, so the quick thing is like, you know, for me, if there was a, if there was a fence and I needed to, to get over it, I, I wouldn't, you know, I I would have to look whether I'd climb over it, crawl through it, whether I scratch my legs over it or whatever it is, whether I'd you know but i don't care if people laugh at me laugh at me whilst i'm trying to trying to get over it or I, I fall back a couple of times and have to start again. You know, as long as I get over it, it's all I care about.
0: We'll do what it it's takes. Yeah. yeah. See, I love what you said as well before that about um, not needing other people to be happy because yeah. society is like really obsessed with telling us that we need to own certain things by a certain age to be happy and successful. Mm. We need to be part of certain partnerships, relationships in order to feel worthy, to feel attractive, to feel loved. And they're not really true. We some people feel like they're written in stone, and that's the only you know route to happiness. And that leaves a lot of people feeling quite inadequate and quite quite lonely. Um, and you can sort of feel like a failure before you've even started. Um, I'm really interested to talk about your career because for anybody, no matter how able bodied they are or not, this is an extremely competitive career. It's a very physical mm. career, um, mm. and you already faced you know, a, a lot of, um, let and, and a lot of discrimination in your life and a lot, yeah. a lot of fences to either climb or throw yourself over a lot of scratches on your legs. Um, did you always know that you wanted to be a racing car driver? Like how, what age in your life did that become a thought in your mind?
1: I would say by the age of, about the age of four, um, I always wanted to race, um, but never really knew whether I could or not. And, um, yeah, I, I had a little go when I was seven years old um, and uh, I went to this car park and my dad said I wouldn't be able to hit anything and I ended up hitting something and crashed and <laughs> stuff like that. And that was a moment where my parents were like, right, we're, we're not putting Nick anywhere near motorsport um, and, um, you know, just going to have to focus on his studies and, and schooling and, and we'll just just see where life life takes him so you know we, we were flying around the world with Lewis and um you know our whole life was trying to um, get Lewis to where he is today mm-hmm. and it was a full it was a full family effort it was a full family um project you know to 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 make him as successful as he is today and um, you know you don't see that anywhere else in Formula One is you know when you think about Lewis Hamilton you think about his whole family whereas most drivers you just think about the driver on their own
0: you don't know who their family are yeah that's so yeah, true yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. so we, we 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 pride ourselves in that and um yeah I, I always wanted always wanted to race but didn't think my condition would, would allow me to and um did you tell
0: people you had this ambition or did you keep it secret because of that did, was it something you voiced to people
1: no not really because once once my parents said right you know you crashed in your go kart, we're not gonna we're gonna not gonna allow you to do anything else and I was like okay fair enough so so I just turned my attention to like gaming and simulation gaming and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff and and i I thought to myself, if I can't have a, a a real life racing career, then I'm gonna have one in the virtual world so i mm-hmm. I picked up a game from PC world and a steering wheel, and I just learned how to to drive um using these buttons on a steering wheel. My legs weren't strong enough to accelerate and brake at the point at that time. And yeah, without being really super geeky, i came I became British champion on this game. oh, wow, okay out of nowhere um you know i'd have learned everything about like um car setup and racing lines and racecraft mm. and everything like that and then that's when lewis said you know you you clearly got some talent you know you, why don't you try it again for real you know and i'm now like 17 and you know i've gone through my my bullying stage i'm starting to get out of my wheelchair i'm starting to you know walk along longer distances and you know starting to be who i am and mm. Yeah, I went to a, I went to a driving school and yeah, I matched the instructor's time on my first day and no way. And then it just it just it just spiraled it just spiraled into wow okay so you know Nick could actually be quite decent. That must um, have
0: been great for your confidence to realise your genuine ability.
1: Yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, in a, in a activity that is just purely able-bodied, really. Mm. You know, there's there's not very many disabled people around driving cars. And, you know, I, I was struggling to drive a road car, let alone put myself in a race car. So it was a, it was a big, big ability to, to realize. And then, you know, yeah, as I said, it just, it just spiraled, went into to Clio Cup and had to, to, to train and, and I knew that I wasn't able to to use these hand controls now. I wanted to make sure I could use my, my legs. And my legs were too weak. I could only push like five kilos of, of weight on both my legs. And I needed to get to like 100 kilos to be able to push the brake pedal effectively with my left leg and just kept pushing and pushing, went to the gym and never stopped. And yeah, I got to 130 kilos with my left leg. Wow. And, and then, yeah, it just, it just, just carried on from there and, and started, started racing. I had a documentary on me by the BBC and yeah, you know, I was was popping ribs and my pelvis was moving every time I was in a car. Goodness. Um, and I just wanted to race. That's all I wanted to do. And, and I didn't really care about inspiring people, but once I got a little taste of it, that people were coming to my races to watch me race and, you know, it was people that were disabled or had a, a, um, a disabled child or, or something like that, someone that could relate to it, my whole purpose changed. And
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and then it takes me back to the days where I I cried myself to sleep, understand why I was the way I was, and now I realized that my, my purpose was to use my condition to inspire others. And, you know, my motorsport is the reason that gets me up in the morning to
0: keep fighting. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? It's an amazing thing because like you said, you don't go out of your way to inspire people. You just exist and live your life to your potential. Um, I have someone in my life whose child has cerebral palsy, someone who's close to me, and I can't wait for them to hear this interview because, you know, it's not about showing people, oh, look, they're just like you and they exist. It's about saying they have similarities to you and they have goals, they have dreams and they have fulfilled a lot of those. And actually, yep. you know, it's as exciting for the child as it is the parent as well to see actually that this could be what my child could be capable of. Um, I wondered if when you were doing this and, you know, it was going really well, Despite ribs and pelvises popping, were there kind of negative people and naysayers saying um, you shouldn't be doing this? Stop now! You're doing the wrong thing. Go get a job in Tesco. Like, yeah, I had that myself when I was setting up my charity, and people were like, you're not experienced in this field. You should go get a job doing hairdressing, or you know, you do get those people that basically project their fears onto you.
1: So, so obviously, right now, I'm I'm in the British Touring Car Championship, so. The, the pinnacle of British motorsport—you can't go any higher um, in the UK. You know, first disabled athlete to compete in the series, first disabled athlete to score points in the series, and and I would say I'm I'm one of the most, if not the most followed driver on the grid. But also, I personally feel I'm 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 like the most liked driver, but also the most hated driver at the same really? time. So it's like, Why yeah, is that? It's how, I, it's how I feel. People are brutal. They're like, they, you know, they, they feel like they've got so much to say. They feel like they know they, they can just sit, be keyboard warriors, say whatever they want to say and, and give people a load of grief and rubbish. And so, you know, there was, there was, you know, times where it's, it's you know, I sign for a team and and people say how much of a waste it is. And, you know, I don't deserve to be there. And, you know, I'm only there because of Lewis and I'm only there because of the name. And I'm only there because of this and I'm only there because of that. And, you know, and it just gets to the point you don't you don't read those sort of comments or you don't read those sort of uh, people's thoughts. And, and it's just difficult.
0: Yeah, because sometimes I feel like your strength can make people feel weak and it makes them feel mm. inadequate and it and it makes them lash out like that because mm. it intimidates them and it shows them up for what they're not, where they're not showing up in their own life, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So they can only really kind of counteract that by sort of trying to, to say, well, you're only there because of X, Y, or, Z, or... Mm. I did wonder, I mean, you, you talked a bit about Lewis and I didn't really want to talk, too much about him because i imagine sure. the comparison has been there throughout your whole career you know I, i've got a younger sister and we're not even in the same career and i know mm. what it's like for the younger sibling when you've got the older sibling no matter what they do there's always that comparison and i wondered as supportive of you have all been as a family of him has there been some negatives between having a sibling in the same world as you in the same career
1: for sure um you know firstly um for you, being a hamilton never was a thing we were just a normal family you know we, we we struggled for money we were poor we didn't know what to do we didn't really have much direction you know and now the hamilton name is a is a household name you know most people in the uk most people in the world know who lewis hamilton is now seven time former world champion and a and a sir so so as t- as time's gone on obviously it's a it's um it becomes a responsibility because As I said at the start of this podcast, it's it's the whole family that that are known, not just not just the driver, not just Lewis. So, you know, I might be might be at a petrol station, I might be eating food or or something like that, and I'll get noticed by literally not doing anything. So, I've got to make sure I'm not um, picking my nose or doing anything. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like sneezing in the wrong way or anything like that. And and you know, it's all about people's perception of you and Mm. and um, first impression. First impressions are really important. Absolutely, and, um, and so yeah, I have it. I have it everywhere I go, mm. um, and especially when you're trying to do it in the same in the same industry where Lewis is pretty much you know he's dominating that industry. Mm. He's the the top of that industry. Plus, you know, he has a. A load of money and motorsport is, is well, money makes the world go round generally. But motorsport is all about finance and funding and everything like that. And and so you know, getting sponsors helps you get through the door being a Hamilton, but also can close doors because they're like, well, you know, why don't Lewis, why doesn't Lewis just give you the money to race or this or that? And, and mm. you know, so, so it's a double it's a double edged sword really. Um, you know, can really help you and then can really hinder you in certain aspects. And then also when it comes to performances you know no one really cares when someone else makes a mistake and goes off the circuit or whatever but um for me if i make an, a single mistake it's it's on websites it's on yeah. in magazines, it's, you're it's under like a... the
0: magnifying glass because always. Yeah. yeah, what would you say? Because a lot of people who listen to this will, will be female. You know, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are women, so probably don't know loads about um motorsport. I have to confess, I didn't until I started researching you. Now I feel like that's I know fine. loads. um no worries, great. What would you say it takes to be a top racing driver? Oh, that's a great. That's a great question.
1: I would say um you've got to be the full package, right? You, you've got to be um, you got to be strong off circuit as well as strong on circuit, and when you're strong on circuit, you have to have a level of arrogance. <laughs> Excuse my language, but zero fucks given, almost. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's and, a good and,
0: attitude for life in general. No sure. fucks given.
1: Um, and and um, but you also have to be very calculated in in your decisions. You know, because everything is split second. You know, in what we do, there's tw- there's 29 cars hurtling down to turn one at 140 miles an hour, and and Everything. Oh,
0: if I was your mum I couldn't watch. Honestly, it makes <laughs> you yeah. feel sick talking every, about it. Every,
1: everything can change in a split second. So you, you you have to just you know drive the the situation or the race in front of you and 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 make split fast decisions. And um so it's it it's uh it's it's about having you know good raw pace, but also good strategical decisions in in your in your locker and also you know being being um being a decent person off circuit as well to, hmm. to to help you progress.
0: What about your peers? How, how what is it like? Because obviously, like you're talking about success and it's a competitive world. Like, how do you find it dealing with your peers in your in your industry?
1: You know, I, I I I received you know a lot of a lot of rubbish generally. You know, I don't think anyone likes to be beaten by a disabled person, um, especially when I'm the only one there. And mm-hmm. and you know, I, I like to class myself as a Paralympian in the Olympics. You know, yeah, because there's no one with my condition at this at this level, and um it must feel awful for them to see a, a disabled guy steam up the inside and drive away from them. So, you know,
0: I, I, I felt so much glee in your voice then when you said
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but that's 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 great. That's what it. That's that's you know what I, I strive to do. And at the end of the day, I want to try and get to the top of of the championship or stand on the podium of a. British Touring Car Championship race and and uh, I'm not going to stop until I get there.
0: It's quite amazing because you know I think like I I love sport, I love running, I love weight training and you know for mental and physical reasons. Um and I think sport is, fo- is sort of famous for promoting that me- mental and physical strength, um also discipline, teamwork. And I wondered has driving taught you anything? You know, obviously, you bring a lot to the table already, but but has it taught you stuff? Has it changed you? I would
1: say, you know, you learn from a lot of a lot of your mistakes, and motorsport it really magnifies your mistakes as a as a person, as an athlete. You know, it can be from your relationships with with your team manager or the relationships with your mechanics, or how you carry yourself through team meetings, and whether you bring the team down or how you how you pick them up. And then how you perform in the car. And then when you make a mistake, how, how you deal with that, how you are perceived, you know, when things go wrong. And yeah, this, this, this whole racing malarkey for me has, has completely changed my, my attitude as a, as a person, because initially you, you, you just think you just want to get in the car and drive and then, you know, you'll just make a mistake go and crash the car and they are like, Oh, well, i got the mechanics that will fix it. But really these, these people are human. Yeah. It's their job. That's what they're Mm -hmm. paid to do. But still, you know, they've got a lot of work to do. So, you know, you always got to think about other people and then you've got to always pick them up and be grateful for what they do because really you want them to give them your all. You want the car to be the best it can be so that you can be at your best when you drive it. Um, you know, but then it goes deeper than that. You know, it goes into relationships with your partners, um, the people that support you, the people that have, have, have invested into your journey, um, you know, understanding who they are as, as a business, as people as well. Um, and that they're also struggling through COVID or the pandemic or anything like that. And 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 everyone is just a, just a human that needs help every now and then, um, and mm. just because they're, they're supporting your, your success story or, or what you're doing doesn't mean you shouldn't take notice of it. So I think this whole procedure that I've gone through from life of, of my condition to wanting to race, to then not having the funding to race, you know, and not having the relationships to race it's it's taught me so many different things, um, to be able to get to where I am, today
0: i wondered because it's quite a consuming career um and i wondered what is your work life balance like and do you have anything you enjoy doing outside driving or is there just simply not time for that
1: I'm i'm a i'm a true grafter um and i never i never stop um and nothing is ever enough um, but some days I just, I just realise you know, it's, it's time just to, to relax and chill out. You know, we had our first race last weekend, which was, which was um, a really good weekend. And yeah, you have to relax mentally for a bit. And, and mm. to, to do that, I, I play, I play games, you know, I, uh, okay. I'm i a big gamer. So, you know, yeah. I, I don't go to the pub or go out, get drunk. I just keep myself to myself.
0: But that's a nice way to unwind, isn't it? Because I guess when you're gaming, you're just in that zone. You're not thinking about other stuff. And you're just, that. I mean, that, that. I like to go running, and I like to listen to p- podcasts when I'm running, and that's my way of like just unwinding because I can't just sit still and meditate. I'm not that person, you know. I like to do something to unwind. So. Yeah, I, I mean, for
1: me, I, I just I put my headphones on, and it it just. Takes me away from from mm. from the world and the stresses um, that yeah. I have because you know I have a lot of, a lot of stresses going on in my life um, and and gaming just completely takes me away from that. So it doesn't matter how old I'm going to be and and when I when I got kids and, and everything like that, I'm still going to um, have some time to myself, a bit of nick time, and that nick yeah. time is uh, definitely playing Call of Duty or gaming <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, and it also brings me and my me and my brother closer as well. So you know it's a it's a positive thing that way.
0: So you mentioned their children is that, I mean, you're still quite young. You're 29 It's young for a guy is, is starting a family, something that you want to do?
1: Of of course, of course I would. Um, Firstly, I I, I always wanted a little sister and um, I never got one. So uh, my, my next thing is to to have a daughter. Um, You know, I, I, I think they're absolutely incredible um and and you know starting a family would be a really cool really cool thing um growing up i didn't even think i'd be able to do that with my condition Mm -hmm. you know i didn't even think you know having intercourse would be possible you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you go through so many different mindsets and motions and feelings um as a kid um because you're like okay so am i going to be affected in that area or you know is that will will girls find me attractive you know will they will Mm -hmm. they will they will they um look past the disability and and will i have the the normal uh opportunities of of finding love and companionship and all that stuff of
0: course everyone worries about that Mm. with or without a visible difference you Mm -hmm. know but but extremely more heightened when you're not the same as as your peer group yeah
1: yeah exactly and and you know i i've I've seen a couple of people or maybe uh, probably one person um who has the same condition as me and and I saw him at an event years and years ago and he had a he had a um you know had a child on his um on his shoulders so I was like oh, okay well you know it's possible um mm-hmm. and and so you know now now I know it definitely is and and yeah I think a family would be a, an amazing thing for me to um to create um but I want to do that when I'm I'm secure I'd say where I am in my life and, um, mm. you know, because once, once a kid is brought into this world, I want to make sure I can devote everything to them. I don't want to be still searching for myself and searching for things to make my life better.
0: When you said that, um, you recited that story of seeing that guy with a kid on his shoulders, it just gave me like a rush feeling in my stomach. Um, because I know how powerful it is, like, that like you can't be what you don't see. And and I know how powerful it is to see someone that you feel represents you doing the things you think are taken away from you. Yeah. Um, You know, I remember the first time I met a woman who had a full facial burn and she was married. And I'm, I remember thinking, oh, someone fancies her and yeah. they've married her. Yeah. And I was just like, maybe maybe I will have a boyfriend. Like maybe there are people that aren't shallow in this world. And, you know, her burns were visible and it's really hard to explain to people unless they've been in that situation, the genuine hope it gives you because people that aren't within that. And like your parents telling you, you're going to be happy. Like it's not very effective. It's actually almost a little bit patronizing because it's not really a real example. Um, and I suppose it's quite a nice way to wrap up the podcast, really, because I don't think you have to be an, an, an aspiring sports person to gain great motivation from your story. Like you motivate me with my life, even uh, though I, don't, I have no aspiration to go beyond my Golf GTI. Um, <laughs> I'm a terrible driver. Um, and I just wondered, you know, you're 29 years old and... I just wondered, like, as a sort of final thought, if there's people sort of listening today, you know, who are having a good day, a bad day, a weird day, is there like a key piece of advice you'd give to them? Or even people that are in the position that you were in when you were younger, with with feeling that they're limited for some reason, what kind of, what would be your parting thing for them to take from this episode?
1: How I go through my life is believing that life is, is, 10% physical and 90% mental. So it doesn't really matter how your physical limitations or or how physical uh, how physically fit you might be. If you if your if your mentality isn't strong enough, you know, then you're never going to going to achieve your full full potential. And so my main thing would be to to open open your mind up and instead of trying to ignore the fact that maybe you, you might be struggling mentally in certain areas. It's okay, it's okay to, to not be okay. It's okay to, to have difficult days, down days, tough days, um, days where you don't think there's literally any point of, of doing a certain task. Every, every down day is just a character building day to move forward. Um, and with each, um, with each obstacle that you have to face um, and that you do face eventually and overcome, it makes the next obstacle a lot easier. Um, always be kind always be open to to helping people um, but also mainly just be be true to yourself and it doesn't matter what people think about you or their perception of you um, all that matters is how you feel about yourself and you don't need anybody to um to make you feel better um or to tell you you're you're doing great um because as long as you're breathing still and as long as you're smiling and getting up every day and focusing on whatever direction you want to put yourself in, then you're doing just fine.
0: I think this is going to be my favorite episode of the series. This is so brilliant. (laughs) Honestly, it's so uplifting and it's so true what you're saying, like we can all apply this to our lives. Like we all have the capacity to be great. Like we don't have to rely on anything else. We can, I can just shut the laptop after here and just go and be great all day. You know, I don't uh, need anyone uh, else. There's
1: this one, one quote, this one quote that I um that I I read a couple of days ago was um if you can if you can see greatness, you're already great. Which was really I'm quiet. gonna write, it down. I'm gonna write really, it down. Which is a really yeah. which is a really good quote. You know, if you if if you can if you can notice greatness or see greatness in other people, um, then you're already great within yourself.
0: You're going to see me put that on Twitter with my name next to it yeah. like, next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had so much fun recording this with you. No, it's um, been a pleasure. Yeah, you're just such an interesting, fascinating, in, I know it's a bit of an overused word, but inspiring guy. No, like,
1: thank you. But, yeah. you know, to be fair, Katie, I, I was more interested in listening to your story.
0: Oh, if you start a podcast, let me know. <laughs> It's been so great and nice. you have been extraordinary. So thank you so much for sharing all aspects of your life. Nah. It's really great how open you are.
1: Thank you, Katie. Appreciate it.
0: Do you know what? I overran slightly, but I didn't <laughs> want to stop because you you've got so many different sides to you. It's so interesting. Nah, like... You
1: can just you can cut cut it, chop it and change it to how <laughs> you
0: want it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please follow where you get your podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show or share on your socials.